Welcome back to Amity Connects Season 2, it's 2022 It's been a while you guys It's great to be behind the mic interviewing some very phenomenal people in the community But this season, wow this season's going to be great We have an amazing lineup planned for you guys But this season we're going to start with someone who is very well known in the Amity Student Council community Mr. Ahmed Orsturk from ISRA and he's a very well regarded in the field of leadership and public speaking. Um, he's a personal mentor to the student council members and this has been a episode that is long time coming really. It's been in the plans for quite a while. Amity Connect Season 2 Episode 4 It was the first of its kind in Australia, and we had authors, writers, children's authors. We had the tent history talks about Muslims, Islam. So, uh, so yeah, it was amazing. Probably the biggest event that we did in the last five years, and yeah, been busy. So, still moving forward with things like youth college, Quran academy, Islamic studies. There's always something happening at Israel. So, yeah, it's. It's a brilliant organization. If you haven't heard about it, it's really good. Hajam, you are obviously a mentor yourself. Um, you've mentored us, myself and Malikshah, um, in personal leadership. We did this, I believe, last year. Yeah, I think it was last year. It's the, the, the time frame has uh, gone crazy nowadays. Yeah. So you don't know what's last year, two years ago. So yeah, you've yeah. lost track of time. Yeah, let's say last year anyway, so, yep. And... Um, so personal leadership. Yep. Personal leadership means having a clear direction in life, clarifying inner drive and values, developing basically developing self-mastery. Can, can you tell us a bit about personal leadership? Yeah, uh, I think it's something that uh, each of us need in our lives. Like uh, we, we all uh, have a journey in life and we need to make sure that this journey is worth worthwhile. And the only way to make that worthwhile and count is that we master ourselves because uh, ultimately we are created in this world and we can only do things if we are good, good at them and we can only make change in the world uh, if we can m master ourselves first. So that's what personal leadership is about, really making sure that you get on top of yourself, uh, your time management, your, your skills, your people management. You know, all these things are really up to scratch and, uh, and these things are not just theory, like you gotta make sure that you constantly work on them and, and you're consistent uh, in, in trying to improve yourself day by day. And that's how I see personal leadership, uh, honestly, from, from my end. You, s you just mentioned, um, I believe it was self-mastery? Yep. Talk, can you tell us what self-mastery is, like a quick definition about self-mastery? Sure. Like, uh, as human beings, we're created with different faculties, and uh, some of those are animal fac animalistic faculties, some of them are angelic faculties. So basically, to me, self-mastery is trying to uh, regulate your animal faculties, such as anger, such as lust, such as hunger, uh, and making sure that you channel them properly as they should be channeled. 
and uh, make and also growing our angelic faculties, which are things like imagination. Like uh, that, that's a very powerful faculty, a tool that we have. Self-awareness, understanding who you are, what you are, where you are in life, in whatever you are. So, uh, so while you regulate your animal faculties, you you grow your angelic faculties and. With that, you've got the right package to be able to make sure that you've got control of yourself to do what you want to do in life. And that's very important. How does that, those two concepts you just talk about, angelic and self... Um, An- animalistic? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, how did those two concepts play into the aspect of leadership? Yeah, well... Uh, Leaders, when, when you're a leader, you've got to make sure that you uh, are leading in every single way. And if you really haven't mastered yourself in, in these different faculties, how then can you help others uh, master their own selves, right? So uh, leadership literally means you're, you're, you're first to everything. So you're also first to, to mastering yourself, to changing yourself and showing that through an example, right? So you become an embodiment of what leadership is for other people. So when, uh, when, when you can't even change yourself, then how can you tell people that, hey, hey, I'm here to change you, I'm here to help you, I'm here to grow you. Like people will look at you and say, like, this guy's a joke, right? Uh, he can't even do this simple thing, yet he's telling me that uh, he's here to help me. So people won't even take you seriously. So that's what personal leadership is important. Yeah, Hojam, and also as a leader, you get lots of pressure from your co-workers and the environment you work in. So how would you say that you handle the pressure of being a leader? Yeah, so that's a very good question, actually. Uh, first of all, you got to understand that when, you, when you're a leader, when you take up the position, that you will have pressure. That's the first thing. So being, being aware of the situation and psychologically ready for, for such pressure. Because if you're not, you could really get caught uh, unprepared. So that's the first step, I think. The second step is to make sure that uh, when you do feel pressure, you remember like what's, what's your anchoring point, what's your benchmark. For example, for me, it's the prophet, peace be upon him, right? I see him as the greatest person to ever set foot on earth. And when I feel pressure, I I, I look at his life and I look at, okay, how did he handle pressure in different ways? Pressure from family, pressure from friends, pressure from children, pressure, you know, from society. So I go back to his life because I'm quite well read in his life. And and, and I'll look at it. For example, when there is pressure, let's say, uh, from a, a group of people to make him do a certain thing, uh, there are times that he's firm if it's about the society, but there are times that he's flexible if it's about himself. He's more forgiving, he's more easygoing. So that's how I handle pressure. And also knowing that me being patient with people and with uh, the society is rewarding for me, not only in this world, but for the next world as well. So that kind of gives me the ability to continue working and moving forward under the pressure as well. How do you handle pressure in everyday life? Good question. I think um, first and foremost, as I said, uh, you got to be ready for it. Uh, secondly, you always need to be able to take a step back and, uh, and see, all right, what am I doing? Like, am I doing things which are helping me achieve my purpose in life, right? So if I can relate that pressure to, to my purpose of life, then it becomes much easier for me to take that pressure, right? 
But if it's something that's unrelated, I'm like, okay, this is really not necessary. I'll probably, what I'll do is I'll probably get out of that pressure somehow. Like I'll find a way to get out of it and make sure that I'm not in the same position. But if I do find myself in that in, in the position and I do, ha- I can link it to my purpose, then I just take a step back and, and think, okay, what can I do now? What can I do in this situation? Uh, and uh, for example, we've got, we had a project that, like this Muslim Writers Festival that we had, right? It was a momentous project. Uh, like we had multiple speakers coming. We had the whole venue booked. And there were always items that needed to be done. But I knew that at the end of the day, this is what I wanted to do, right? So I could work extra. Like there were times that I needed to work maybe 12, you know, 14 hours a day to make things happen, which is fine. I can because I know this is contributing to my purpose. And there were times where, okay, like I really don't need to do this, right? So with those kind of things, I just put it aside and not, not, not take it on a roll or just give it to someone else where I felt that, okay, this is, you know, this is not really what I want to do. So just making sure that with pressure, I think the biggest thing is you got to identify things which really are helping you achieve your purpose in, in life and, uh, and making sure you do those things uh, and, uh, and you continue with that. So, Hojam, as a leader, you have to create a work environment that's, that you are able to work in yourself and that your co-workers can also um, work well in that environment as well. So as a leader, what kind of work environment would you prefer to set? Like, uh, what kind of work atmosphere would you want to create for yourself and your co-workers? Yeah, that's, that's actually a nice question. And uh, and this is probably one of my priorities. I work as a center manager. So I we have 15 teams that work across the organization. We have close to 100 volunteers who help out in the organization. We have 17 staff across Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, so we have we, we deal with a lot of people, especially myself. Like I pretty much oversee everything, right? That happens at ISRA projects, programs, all these things, right? So uh, I'm going to come back to purpose number one. I, I always try to make sure that people understand why why they do what they do, because once people understand the purpose, then it becomes much easier for them to commit to things. So that's number one purpose. Another thing is objectives. Like we try to make sure that we set very clear objectives for people so that they understand what they are doing. What are the goals that they need to achieve? Right? A lot of the time, yeah, you could have a good purpose, but if things are not clear to people, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to get to my target? Right? That's very important as well. And then there are other things like where you uh, support the people when they need support. And you do that in private. You don't really go tell them, uh, if they've done a mistake or if they haven't been able to meet a task, you don't re- you don't reprehend them in public in, in front of everyone, but you just go in private and see, is everything okay? What can I do for you? And that's very important. But when it comes to praise, praise them in front of people because people like that and they enjoy that. And uh, once they enjoy and they like what they do, they most likely continue, right? I remember you taught, taught, taught us this. Um, Praise in public and support in support private. In private. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's and it works ama- amazingly, right? So other things like being non-judgmental, creating an open, safe space, like allowing people to make sure that they are really free to express their ideas without any backlash, without any judgment. Like the last thing you want to do is just kill off people's ideas, their creativity, the, the, the innovative side of people. And that takes a lot of courage as well and a lot of effort to build trust within the organization and across the people as well 
and uh, and you need to be genuine about it. People see that anyway. Like you just need to make sure that you're always respectful for people's ideas. Whatever they put across, they could bring you the the craziest ID that you think, oh, this is so stupid. Like my two-year-old son would not say this, right? But you never make that person feel that you you really value what the person says and try to explore it perhaps. Yeah, can we really do this? And after a while, people understand that, you know, okay, this is not possible. Like they understand themselves anyway. So these are like some of the key elements, I think, uh, that really makes uh, people work, teams work, organizations work, and um, and make it successful. Yeah, you have to be compassionate with your workers. Definitely, but there also needs to come accountability as well, right? Uh, so these are all kind of things that you need to balance out. While you show compassion, if you're always compassionate, then what mm-hmm. would people do work or what would they meet true, deadlines, true. True. right? Yeah, uh, there has to be a boundary. Exactly, boundaries, accountability, but again, in, in a nice way that uh, people uh, don't feel that... Respect. Because, yeah, they haven't met a deadline. They're outcasted or they've, uh, you know, they've been told off uh, because you're really killing that person when you do that. And because we deal with volunteers a lot, the guy doesn't even need to be there, right? Uh, they could just leave. They're not even paid. So it's very important how we deal with people. Like you guys are volunteering for uh, SRC, right? Yeah. You don't. Yeah. Are you getting paid? You're not getting no, paid, no. right? So, so it's very important how you guys are also handled as well in the in that regard. But there needs to be some accountability too. Yeah. If you have taken up a responsibility, then you need to deliver it, right? That's that, that, that's important, and that's an important part of personal leadership as well. Yeah. And what about habits? How does habits play into personal leadership? Because, because I remember one of the one of the major topics or subtopics that we talked about is how your habits shape who you are. Like you are more inclined to go throughout a day during what you usually do than to V out and step out. So that kind of leads into personal leadership because you're brave enough to step outside your comfort zone, which is really important as a leader. So can you divulge into that a bit? Yeah. Uh, like, wh- what do you guys do when you come to school in the morning? The first thing you do is probably every single morning you probably do the same thing. You go and look for, for friends who you usually hang out with and without even thinking, right? You wake up. It's just natural instinct. Uh, exactly. Why? It's, no, it's, it's become a habit, yeah. right? Because you keep doing the same thing, it's anchored now. So that, that uh, act is you don't even think twice. When you come into school, do you think about where you're going to turn left, right, etc.? or your parents when, when they're driving to school, do you think they think about these things? They no, don't, right? It's, it's, it's a habit. Natural. So habits are very good in the sense that a lot of the things that you need to do, you don't need to really uh, try to think about those things. So, But at the same time, they say that about, some say about 95% of the things that you do are habitual on a daily basis, right? So it could be good, but it could be very bad at the same time. So if you really haven't uh, picked up good habits, then a lot of your time and a lot of your day is going into things like uh, where you, don't, you shouldn't spend time. If you pick up your phone, the first thing you do is you go on TikTok or you know, Instagram or Snapchat, whatever, whatever, right? And what do you do? You just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Why? Because it's become a habit. Your brain's constantly pumping dopamine, which is a hormone yeah. that you enjoy, right? It makes Obviously. you feel good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you just keep doing that because it's now become a habit. Every time you pick up your phone, 
you know, you, you just keep doing the same thing. So it's important that we break some of the, the bad habits that we have and try to consciously work on good habits so that we can program ourselves to continue doing the right things. Like one habit could be before you go to sleep, you read 10 pages of book. I'm just saying, right? Mm-hmm. Once you make that a habit, beautiful. Like you've really set in stone a, a very good activity for yourself, for your in investment in yourself in terms of your, your education, right? So, uh, and friends, obviously, like uh, seeing those friends, etc. these kind of things take a lot of energy and effort uh, to, uh, to to change. But But habits are developed, right? So you can undo them if you want or redo them. Uh, it's, it, it's all up to the person. Melissa, so what about you? What habits do you have that you'd like to change? Habits that I would like to change? Yeah. Well, one of them is, like Ahmed just said on just social media, just keep scrolling. And I feel like it's very common in this day and age with all these different applications you can get on your phone with Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or YouTube. And it's become really easy to just get into this habit and it just becomes second nature. You know, when you get home from school, you're in like six, seven hours just working, you just want to have a break. But it's important to have breaks, but you shouldn't have too big of a break. For example, if I get home from school, it's important that I do take a break because we're humans, we can't, we're not robots, we don't work nine, like we don't work nine and 10 hours a day without a break, we need a break. But saying that we shouldn't have too much of a break and like um, like I do sometimes, just go on social media and just keep scrolling, it's just a really bad habit and it's important to change. It doesn't end, that's the problem. Scrolling doesn't end, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can't hit the bottom, it just keeps yeah. going, yeah. so yeah, that's right. And I guess technology plays a really big part in this because they kind of you know, want us to keep scrolling. It's why it's so intuitive. You want to keep going. And I guess this brings me into can habits be controlled? I believe firmly, I believe habits can be controlled. But instead of maybe if you fail to control your habit, maybe create a new habit, a good habit. Like you mentioned before going to bed, reading 10 pages of a book. Or when you wake up in the morning, instead of checking your phone, get up, say good morning to your parents, your brothers, sisters, brush your teeth, get ready for school. Then if you have time, go onto your phone. So by creating good habits, you're spending less time or having less time to spend on your bad habits. So Ahmed Hoja, can you explain that? Can habits be controlled? Yeah, they could definitely be controlled. Uh, I was actually recently listening to a podcast uh, I forgot his name, but uh, it was talking about uh, from also a scientific, scientific point of view as well. It was basically saying if you want to introduce, uh, so habits change from person to person. Like they did a research on people uh, who would go for a walk after dinner, right, each night. Uh, so for some people, it took, I think, as quick as 14 days to make it a happen. For some people, it took months to make it a, hap- a habit, right? So it could change depending on who you are. And that's called limbic friction. So there's this friction within you that when you want to develop a habit, it, it stops you from doing it because it's going against what your animalistic faculties want usually, right? So uh, you want to eat, drink, sleep, relax, etc. But when you're developing a habit like 
going for a walk, you really get, need to go against these things, right? So uh, now in terms of controlling the habits, he was saying that basically what a, if you want to put a new habit in, make sure you're doing the – he divides it into three parts, the, uh, the morning part, the noon part, and like then the afternoon part towards the, the, the late night. So he was saying put those habits that have a high limbic friction that becomes difficult for you in the early stage of the day because that's when you have the most energy and that's when you can probably change or print a habit most like uh, most effectively as you go later on the day don't even don't try to put in habits later in the day or closer to the night because it becomes harder for you your body's shutting down you're tired etc so and when you do so try to anchor your habits like through some kind of a uh, a treat or for example you're going to go for an activity you're going to go for a run give yourself a, a small treat at the end so that you anchor that in a positive way that's how your body picks up you know just like we, we're animals at the end of the day right like mm -hmm. we, we do have yeah. those faculties as well yeah, true so what how do they train animals they usually make them do something and at the end give of them it, a treat they give them a treat right so we're kind of same in that regard as well so we've got to give ourselves treat our body so that it really okay knows all right when i do this i know there's something coming and your body makes it easier for you to be able to do that and and start or control that habit and i believe leaders do that as well so um a good leader like this this is going back to what we talked about previously in um praising in public right so if you do good work you're praising them in public so i guess that will inspire them to do more work in in better in a better manner because they know positivity is coming towards them it makes them feel really good about themselves which is really important in human nature because we like to uplift ourselves. um yeah yeah i agree like uh, coming back to that lv that's that's a very good point if you've made it a habit to praise people in public and support them in private what happens is when you come across those situations where someone has really hasn't delivered it, because it's a habit, you'll almost never uh, reprehend them in public. You'll always wait for an opportunity because now it's, you've, you've developed that habit, right? It's, it's second nature. And so with praise as well, as soon as you see something good, you just automatically, you don't even think about it. You praise that person and, uh, and, and that really feels good. So definitely like these kind of things can be turned into habit uh, as well. And that's when you become a really good leader because you don't even need to think about these things now. It's, it's part of you. What about paradigm shifts? Can habits bring paradigm shifts to people? Paradigm shifts are usually when you realize that what you think of reality is really not reality, right? It's like, uh, you know, we, we look in the sky and we see the stars in the sky. They're just thoughts. But when you get a telescope uh, and you, let's say you look at the moon, you're like, oh, wow, like the moon is actually giant gigantic right it's not it's not just like a small circle in the sky and then you realize it's actually not 2d either it's a 3d thing so that's that's a shift of you know uh, your, your 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 way of thinking so in terms of i guess habits uh it could help you initially like where you realize okay a habit of mine is actually not a good thing some people could still think scrolling for an hour or two hours on their phone is a good thing they love doing it they enjoy doing it so but then as soon as you tell them how bad it is for their brain for themselves etc and then they're like oh wow 
you know, I, I do need to change this habit of mine. So they first need to have a paradigm shift. In order that, to change the exactly, habit. Exactly, right? Yeah. So that's where the paradigm shift comes helpful. And I think with habits and, for example, going back to the example of scrolling on social media, we have to also realize that the reason we enjoy it is because short term, it's like, it's good for us. We enjoy it. It's something we like to do. But you've got to look at the long-term aspect of it as well. Long-term, it's really not beneficial. It's actually really bad for you because instead of doing your responsibilities or doing other things, you're just consumed in this habit of just keep, like endless, endless scrolling on social media. And then, yeah, like that just goes back to looking for your long-term as well, not just your short-term. Yeah, I definitely agree. But even in the short term, you guys would realize it's really impacting your concentration span as well because mm -hmm. these 30 second videos that you yeah, know you're yeah. so used to something new new content you know like you can't even sit down in class sometimes and concentrate for 10 20 minutes right uh, when the teacher is talking about a concept so uh, so even in the short term it's really having a very adverse impact i think on uh, on a lot of us so yeah what if somebody argues that this short 30 second videos are i guess inspirational inspirational and educational I mean, uh, I think it's on YouTube Shorts or TikTok, whatever yeah. it may be. There are inspirational videos and educational 30-second short clips on there. Do you think people would be more inclined to watch those than the traditional videos that they watch? Yeah, I think inevitably that's what we're moving towards. Who sits down and watches an, an hour talk nowadays? Like... You see something that's three minutes, you're like, hmm, maybe I I, I'm, I'm going to watch it. When you, see, when, when you see it 20 minutes, you're like, oh, there's no way I'm watching yeah, too this. too long. Yeah, like too long, you know. So uh, I do think there's definitely space and uh, it's, a, it's, it's a nice thing too. But again, it comes down to balance, right? Like, uh, I mean, you could be watching hours of inspiration stuff even, let's say. Okay, if you're doing that for hours, then when do you have time to reflect that inspiration and do something about what, what you're inspired for, right? So... Uh, so you just need to moderate it, I guess. And, uh, and that's why we've been given these animalistic faculties so that we can consume certain things, we can do certain things which are for a bigger and better good, right? So you just got to make sure that it's regulated, moderated, and, that it, and it doesn't take so much space off. What I do is I set my goals at the start of the week and I know more or less, let's say, my first goal would probably take me four hours. My second goal would probably take three hours. Uh, so, And then you put them on the days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So you got to make sure that you try to get these done at least, right? These are the big rocks. And then you can put in whatever you want to into that week as well. If, the, if you've got time, put it in. If you don't have time, let them, you know, move on to next week or the following week. It, it doesn't matter, right? So. And this is one of the best examples of personal leadership. Mm -hmm. You're leading yourself into success, essentially. You're managing your time. You're being efficient with your workload and your work in general, which is exactly what's expected of a leader. You're expected to be able to do things in a perfect way. Yeah, I mean, no one's perfect, obviously, obviously and yeah. uh, you, you all have shortcomings, and good leaders are those who acknowledge their shortcomings, and uh, when they can achieve things, they, they, they say it, and they don't blame others, right? But, uh, but good leaders, they do show that uh, they are on top of themselves, and they, they're really using their time effectively, because 
when you're a leader, it's not just about your time that you're managing. You're also managing other people's time as well. You got to make sure that, okay, this person needs to do these tasks. How are they going? That person is doing these tasks. How are they going? So you're really managing other people's time as well. So if you can't manage your own time, how can you expect to be managing other managing people's time? Yeah. Right? So what about goal setting? Mm-hmm. Does this obviously ties in with goal setting, you setting your own goals, you leading yourself into managing and going into these goals. So how does self leadership help with goal setting? Yeah, this is how I see it. If, if you don't have goals in life, then you're really wandering around uh, recklessly, right? So, and for that, obviously you start with a purpose. What's my purpose in life? What I want to do? You, you, could want, you want to become the best tennis player in the world, let's say. That's a purpose, right? And then, okay, what are the things that I need to do to become a best tennis player? Let's say I need to make it, I need to become the Australian champion by the age of 18, let's just say, right? A, it's quite young, quite yeah, ambitious. A, a subset <laughs> goal, right? So, all right, then what I need to do to become a uh, the, the Australian champion? So you break that down. I need to train... I'm not sure, like th- every day, five hours, right? So uh, so you need to make sure that you, uh, you set yourself goals in life so that you can manage your time based on those goals. If you don't have goals, and that's what I see a lot of people, unfortunately, because they don't have goals, they don't care about time. They don't, they, they don't have a deadline, really. Like if you guys weren't at school at the moment, honestly, you, most of the students, I don't think, would know how to manage their time. Yeah, because absolutely. Because... You're not ready yet, perhaps mature enough to put yourself goals in life, right? So the school allows you to be in a bit of a system where you can, all right, you got to do assessments. So you're growing through the school, at least in a systematic way. So, uh, so yeah, goals are extremely important in terms of personal leadership. Uh, And I really think everyone, they should make at least yearly goals. Like you should sit down and think, what am I going to achieve this year? What are my goals? And, uh, what, and and write them down and then start working on them like it's every three months or every month or every week. Break them down further. How would you break them down? Well, uh, I mean, I gave you the example of, you know, let's say tennis uh, being, the, you know, let's say the, the tennis world champion. But, uh, for example, one thing that I'm personally passionate about is leadership, right? Uh, personal leadership. And I, I like growing in this field. So to be able to grow, obviously, you, you run things, but at the same time, you need to read and you, you need to be across the literature, you need to watch. So I actually set myself goals about, all right, so what do I need to achieve this year? Uh, I, I subscribe to Harvard Business Review, for example, right? It's a top magazine uh, in the world that I said, okay, I'm going to try to read certain amount of articles from this, let's say, uh, throughout the year. I put myself 20 articles, right? What does that mean? I need to average about two articles a year, a month. And that would mean, and then you break it down further, right? What else do I need to do? I need to read books, right? I set myself, let's say about 10 books to read on leadership. And I also think about right, which components of leadership do I want to grow as well? It, leadership is very broad at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So you, that, that's how you think. You've, you first need to be able to see, okay, where do you want to be? That's very important. And then you break it down. And that's just an example from my end anyway. You, talk, you just said that leadership is a broad subject. And we've actually been talking about personal leadership for quite a bit of time now. Now, I want to talk about 
other forms of leadership. So mm-hmm. leading other people. We just talked about self-mastery, goal-setting, paradigm shifts, and how you can control your personal leadership. Now I just want to quickly talk about how you can manage others. So as a you are personally a leader yourself, you're a center manager. So what's your m- management slash leadership, leadership style? Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big believer of leading by example, personally. And, uh, and a lot of people, I, I think there's a saying, that the, the, the ears are full, the eyes are hungry. So we get a lot of people talking, you know, uh, especially in management positions. They, they give directions, they give uh, orders, etc. But then when it comes to doing things, uh, they're not so much on the ground and they're not really helpful with the people either so i'm a person who believes that you really need to practice what you what you stand for so there will be times that i'll I'll move chairs in at isra i'll set up a room i'll wash i'll wash the dishes right let's say there's a school talk we provide a lunch i'll go into the kitchen and 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 i'll wash dishes myself there's times that i would vacuum the floor right when i let's say when we have an event i'll make sure i'm almost the first one at the event when we are setting up I'll make sure I'm the last person leaving. When we are eating, I'll make sure that everyone's getting food before I start having my food. So, uh, so I really think these are the big stones in terms of personal leadership. Like when, when you're dealing with other, pe- sorry, when when you're dealing with other people, because once people believe in you and they trust you, they realize that, okay, this guy is selfless. He he actually wants our good. He's not here to uh, to you know. Uh, do things he, he, he doesn't want us to work f- for him but he's working for us because that's what a leader is a leader is a servant at the end of the day what do we call people who work in the government public servants right yeah. so they're supposed to serve the public the people that's what th- they have that title so leadership is that you got to understand that first and foremost you're a servant to the people and and servants they don't get stuck up about themselves. They don't expect people to serve them, but rather, how can I help people? What can I do for them? And honestly, once you achieve those things, the rest falls into place. You ask someone to do it. I've seen people, they, you know, I've had meetings with volunteers in our organization where I set them down and I had to cut down from their volunteering because they were volunteering so much. Wow. You know, like, uh, so, and that's the result that you get once you do the right, the right thing, so... Well, how do you see a manager's role on a team? You obviously, as I've mentioned before, you're a manager yourself, but what is the manager's role in a team? Yeah, I don't really like the title manager, to be honest, because managers are a bit more, uh, they say, like, uh, a leader is the one who sets the direction and the manager is the one who kind of makes sure that everyone's in that direction and the right things are being done. Today, I think we need a combination of a leader and a manager because we need direction at the same time. We need to be able to follow up and see if everything's getting done. So I think a manager's role is really to make sure that people have the needed support. Like, uh, for example, they might not have the skills, you upskill them, right? They might not have the resources, you make sure that you provide the resources. They, they get you know, stuck with problems, you make sure that you 
you run to their need and say, okay, what's the problem? How can we so- solve this? So you need to be able to be accessible. So all these things are very important as, as a manager, I think, when, when you're working with people. You just mentioned problems and how people can obviously, you know, sometimes fail. It's, it's failure is a part of life and needs to be accepted. And it's, it's sad that people cannot accept failure. So how do you, as a leader, handle failure and help others help them handle their failure? Yeah, very good question. And I think uh, this is something that we all need to work on uh, personally. Uh, there's a concept called vulnerability, right? Being vulnerable means that you're open to failing and acknowledging the failure and your weakness. Uh, and that's a big thing. Like if you're not vulnerable, then uh, really people will not be able to help you anyway. So. As a leader, I think uh, you need to understand you're a human being at the end of the day. Like everyone fails, everyone has shortcomings. None of us are perfect, and and to be honest, uh, like which one, one single person does everything on their own? Like you need to understand that everything needs a team, and even though you might be a leader, you still need the support of your team. And if you do not understand that you can't do everything and you're not a perfect guy, that team will not pull in for you when the time comes. So I really think this culture of vulner- vulnerability needs to be discussed and understood by everyone so that they understand it's okay to fail because failure is an opportunity to grow. Imagine if you never failed in the world. How can you grow? How can you learn what's right? How can you learn what could be done better, right? It's actually a, a gift from God that we can fail. We can fall at times. And yeah. Obviously, after you fail, you need motivation to bring yourself up, you know, do better than you did before. And failure, like you just mentioned, is is a part of life and failure is a gift. But then there's motivation, which is pretty much the exact opposite of failure. So tell us, how do you motivate a team? Because it's really hard to understand people, especially in today's world, and, you know, without even knowing them on a personal level, how would you motivate someone? Yeah, very good. Like I'd say three key things for a team are uh, knowledge, skill, and motivation, right? But motivation is really the starter of everything. It's the trigger to success, right? So if the motivation is not there, doesn't matter if you've got the knowledge or the skill, nothing's gonna change, right? So uh, again, I'm gonna go back to purpose. like. When you give a purpose to, to, to a person, you're really, you're really giving them motivation and just making sure that purpose is always alive. Like, for example, with the SRC, what is your purpose? Let's say to make the school a better place for the students. I'm just saying, right, this could be a purpose for SRC. So you gotta make sure that all the students on SRC understand that. And whenever, let's say, you've got a project and it didn't go too well, you know what, maybe it didn't happen this time, or, you know, let's look at what we could have done better, but we still want to make this school a better place for students, and we can do this, right? So you encourage them by reminding them of their purpose, and you yourself believing in their purpose as a leader, for, first and foremost, right? And, ch- and making sure that others also are on the same boat with you in terms of achieving their purpose. I really think once that can be achieved, the rest comes anyway, like uh, with, with the motivation. But what's really important is to 
trying to stay away from toxic people, people who are very pessimistic, people who are not open-minded, people who are not hardworking, people who are not open to change. These kind of people really become a hindrance to motivation. And I try to make sure I surround myself with people who have the opposite qualities, right? Yeah. So that helps me personally to kind of motivate myself when I fail. Beside, obviously, avoiding said people, what do you feel you have to lead these people and basically just be a teacher, right? A leader and a teacher are almost one in the same, right? What do you feel you have to lead and teach these people to become the ideal leader, to not be a pessimist or the other things you just said? So how would you do that? Yeah. So, like, teaching is a different thing altogether, right? So Absolutely. So we're talking about a team and teaching is you've got... a group of students there from different walks of life, different interests, competencies, skills, etc. So you really need to tap into what they are interested in, what they have competence in, what they're passionate about. And uh, it's hard to get them to set on a common purpose, right? It's not like, okay, let's run a festival. Everyone is on board with the festival ID. That's the purpose, to have a successful festival, right? So now when this is the case where you've got a group of people who are, you know, of different backgrounds and different interests, then you got to, I think, go back to, at a personal level, what inspires a person, right? I was once watching this YouTube video and uh, this teacher, there was a troublemaker in the class. Like, the guy would make trouble in every, every, every single class. And the trouble they would make is he couldn't help himself but tap. He would yeah. always be tapping, I right? remember this. I you remember, remember this. that? Yes, yeah. yes. So... This guy actually said, come back at lunch, right? And, you know, the student's thinking, okay, here is another hour or a lunch, lunchtime detention. Comes back and uh, gives him a thing. Um, what do you call it? A, a drumsticks. Drumsticks, right? And he goes, play with this. The guy gets it and starts going crazy on the drumsticks. And before you know, he becomes on the... Uh, what is it called? The rock band of the school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and... and now that student has a purpose. That student has something to be motivated about, right? So just like the teacher, we need to find interests. What, what are people interested in and try to help them achieve uh, the, the, their goals and interests? Right. In humans, there is a gap between stimulus and response. In that gap lies our freedom of choice. Can you explain this quote? Yeah, good. That's from the personal leadership as well. Yes. Yeah. So basically with, with animals, right, when they get a stimul stimuli, so, sorry, a stimulus, they don't think about it. So they make the choice. When an animal is hungry, they see food, they're going to latch onto that food, right? A cat sees some meat outside and it's been hungry for two days. You won't even think where did this meat come from? Is there a trap behind this meat, etc. It's, it's just latch, it. latch onto it, right? So by human beings, we are given faculties, I was talking about those spiritual faculties, angelic faculties, yep. such as imagination, such as self-awareness, right? And uh, so we have those kind of faculties where between the stimulus and uh, the, the action, we can think and make a decision accordingly. And this is what makes the human beings special, right? So when you see food, let's say, and you're hungry, uh, that, that food... You know, where did that food come from? Who does it belong to? Uh, is it really, you know, appropriate for me to eat? Have other people eaten? These are all the things that you could imagine that, you know, uh, to, 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 to think about, right? So, so, 
So this is very important for us to make sure. Otherwise, every time we get a stimulus, if we were to act on it without thinking, we'd be in a very miserable position because we have certain tendencies such as our carnal desires, such as anger. Imagine if someone just slapped you and you turned around, you've got a knife in your head, hand before you know you, you stabbed the person. What's the consequence of that? You've probably been in jail for many years. Right? But if you think, wait a minute, just hold on, calm down, relax, etc., and then make, make a decision, then act on it, it'll be a different story, right? And that's why, again, it's part of personal leadership as well. Yeah, this, <laughs> this brings me to my next question. How does decision-making tie in with personal leadership? Yeah, so uh, as we kind of brushed upon previously, uh, like if you cannot make the right decisions, then you cannot really go to your goals, right? You set yourself goals. Let's say you sit down and you say, okay, I'm going to read 20 books this year. All right, beautiful. All right, so 20, 20 books, they 200 pages each, makes about 4,000 uh, pages throughout the year, divided by 300 uh, days or 360 days, whatever. Roughly about 10 pages a day I'm going to read, right? Okay, good stuff. So, and you say, okay, I'm going to read 10 pages every day before I, I come to school. You say, or go to bed. Like, or or like go to bed, right? talked about. But then what happens is uh, one night you're, you're about to go to bed and there's a footy, footy show on or a footy game on or you know, a friend of you calls up and starts talking to you for a good hour on the phone or you pick up the phone and you start scrolling. Now, that's where you're going to make the decision. All right, I've got this goal. What am I going to do? Am I going to go on to do these other things or am I going to make a decision to achieve my goal? That's why decision-making is absolutely important if you want to grow. And, uh, and, and it's a significant element of, of, of personal leadership. How can you be successful with decision-making? How do you determine from right and wrong? What's that thought process you must go through? So just expand on the question. So basically yeah. what happens is you just mm -hmm. talked about decision-making. Yep, For yep. example... Um, Let's just take the scenario, there's a footy game on, and mm -hmm. you have the goal of reading approximately 10 pages a day, right? Mm -hmm. What should your decision-making process be? Like, how do you, you know, say that, okay, I can, I can either read 10 books or I can watch this footy game? Yeah. What I should can, you be yeah. thinking to, you know, figure out which, what you should do? Yeah, good. So I think you need to see, okay, the, f the goal you set in the first place reading these many books is that a good decision number one if you believe that that's an important decision for you in terms of your growth then that's very important right now anything that's more important than that should take priority is a footy game more important than that probably not is a friend calling you depends on what they call for yeah most of the time it might be just like a friendly you, chat. you know just you know what happened that day etc uh, but let's say your your brother is really sick and only you can look after your brother right so that's very so important priorities yeah, come so, in. so you gotta see remember the the metrics that we had the time management metrics right you've got important and and necessary right yeah or so important and urgent important and non-urgent right so sometimes although you try to be in the important and non-urgent so that you can always plan ahead and you know try to make sure your life is organized, you can't find yourself in important and urgent. This is life, right? Yeah. So, uh, and it's okay if you don't achieve 100% of your goals either. That's fine. 
But if you're achieving at least 50, 60, 70% of your goals, then that, that's really good, especially as a start. That, 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 that's extremely, extremely good, yeah. Well, Hodram, this was a brilliant, brilliant conversation. It was really worth listening to, and I really enjoyed having this conversation. Thank you so much for coming all the way down here to Amity College. Um, it, it was an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you for hosting me, and it was a pleasure on my behalf joining thank you, the Jim. podcast.